Hello and welcome to the Oh When The Blues podcast. Today is Sunday the 10th of May 2009 and I am your host Matt and joining me on the podcast this evening are Aki, Hello. Simon, alright, Peter, Eddie, Steve, are you alright, and Carl, you alright, okay and on this day in 1995 Arsenal played the Real Zaragoza in the European Cup Winners Cup final in Paris and if you can remember right at the death, uh, right on play, 120 minutes played, Naeem, the former Tottenham midfielder, so David C went off his line again and lobbed the ball from 40 yards. The referee blew his whistle, whistle shortly after and the Spaniards won it 2-1. So it's not a really good day for them uh, today, especially when they got beat 4-1 off Chelsea's all earlier on today. For the newcomers to the podcast, um, this is what happens. Uh, next up we'll have our review of some of the news items surrounding Oldham Athletic. And then after which we'll do a review of our promotion relegation issues in our division and the other divisions too. Um, with the playoff games going on as we speak. Then on to our main feature about Latics managers, uh, full debate on our managers, the good, the bad and the ugly, highlighting Joe Royal's second coming and departure and the appointment of Penny against some of the also runs. Uh, to round things off, maybe we'll do uh, a bit of a quirky bit with Aki, a bit of fun at the end and otherwise grim tale of Latics season 0809. And uh, of course there's plenty of scope for all the bits and pieces in the future and let's remind you we've got a few things in the pipeline planned and just keep watching the website as they happen. We've got two newcomers tonight, we've got Aki and Steve. Well, Aki first, you weren't here last, last time, you were at a gig. Which gig was that? It was supposed to be the Doves at the Academy in Manchester, which went really well when I got there and they wanted £55 for a ticket. So I went to the pub and got really drunk. What was the face value of the ticket? Oh, like 20 quid or something like that. Yeah, it was 18 pound, yeah. By the time we went to get the, like, we tried right at the very end, just before they came on stage, and there was 10 people waiting for one tout who had one ticket left, and they were just bidding on it like an auction. It was going crazy. I love them, but I don't love them that much. Well, I spent a lot of money. I'm not going to tell you how much I spent. I spent a lot of money on a Strokes ticket for the, where was it? Was it the Apollo? No, it was at the Academy. Yeah, Academy okay. 1. I right. saw them, like, started a month, so I'm not really that bothered. It's a good gig. Quite good. Was it £55 pound good? <laughs> no, not, not £55, pound good, £18. Pound. <laughs> <laughs> right, on, OK, on to some uh, news articles now with Latics. An emotional Joe Royal signs off again. Um, he's held back the tears as he signed off as Latics manager with, with a, a massive win at, at Walsall. Um, he put his faith in 17-year-old Ryan Brook, who repaid repaid him by hitting a second half stunner just minutes after coming on. Well played tribute to the club's travelling supporters and their backing throughout his second stint there at Latics. And the 750 strong band of fans refused to leave the stadium until Royal and his players came back out of the tunnel. Yeah, an emotional end for Joe Royal. Um, it, he had to win, to be honest. They had, you know, just, just, just to sign it off in a, in a way that was fitting for him. If he'd have had 9, 10 games without a win, it would have been a bit sour, to be honest. True, true. Um, not only did Royal leave, but uh, Ryan Crossley left as well. Um, Ryan Crossley? Is that Mark's younger brother? Ryan Crossley, I said. Ryan Crossley. Sounds like Ryan a solicitor. Crossley. Yeah, Ryan Crossley, um, they departed as well. 
um, and it was exclusively revealed on Latics World just after the match. Um, <laughs> I think we exclusively revealed it um, some hours before that in the All in the Blues chat room. But there you go. No, no. Yeah. The, uh, They're about to exclusively reveal Powell Abbott next week. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Was <laughs> oh, he joined? <laughs> There's a bit of a swagger about us at the moment, isn't there? It's all, it's all going to end in tears. So, with Roll going out, a new man came in, was what we're talking about later on. Uh, Dave Penny was um, officially revealed as the manager um, later on last week, after after it was unofficially uh, revealed on All When The Blues some time before. I think he brings... We're going to talk more about it later on, but I think he, from the absolutely depressing end to this season, I'm, I'm looking a lot more upbeat about next season. I get the impression, when, you know, when he, in his Latics World interview, he just used optimism. Yeah. He just oozed optimism, which is, I mean, no disrespect to John Sheridan, unless they've still got all the respect in the world for John as a player and coach, but as a manager, he didn't exactly ooze optimism, you know. He liked, he just... uh, it, for, 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 what, for what I could get out of John Sheridan, I think he liked to be liked, tried, he tried, you can't please everyone, it's impossible. You come to work, you know, and you've got a job to do, and uh, you don't want to make anyone's life life a misery, but you, you're not going to let them make your life a misery. Do you mean more someone, you mean, do you mean amongst the players, Matt? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Them. As being a manager of a man management sort of style towards the players, he was just trying to be pally pally with them all the time. That's You're not there to be liked at the end of the day, though. Exactly. He, he didn't want to be called gaffer or boss or manager or anything like that. I just wanted to be called shares. And I think that's definitely what, what he liked. I think many players said that as well. They said it's the first time they've had a manager which they've never actually called gaffer. I think uh, the timing of Penny coming in is brilliant as well. I mean that you know he's got a slight overlap with Royal, and you know he's he's, he's got a, he's been able to see the players play in a game. That was important. Game. I think it's a very good time to give the board credit for that. I think I think they've uh, I think they've brought him in at the right time. Like I said, we'll have more on this later on. With this our main feature in today's podcast. The last bit of news that we've got today is the training ground which is completed. And there's a lot of uh, talk on the thread as well about the state of the pitch, and we're kicking off with the reserves again next season and. Um, who's going to be playing on our pitch and who's not and it looks like nobody's going to be playing on Latics pitch apart from Latics next season uh, but the, the news uh, from uh, the official World and Athletic website is the training ground works have been completed and, uh, and I'll just note here that the, the trust managed to uh, arrange three industrial sized loads of sand and, with, and due to that the necessary renovation works were completed it's something that was um, omitted from the the official Latics website. I think it needs to be said that the trust had a big hand in that. Richie was done by there. Richie put a lot of effort into getting that sorted for Latics, and they just they just didn't credit him at all for it. And I think that was a bit out of order. I don't think Rich really looking for a lot of credit. I think it's I think that was the perfect opportunity in that particular article to mention it. Though as much that's just said. That's be our knowledge as well. He's not doing it for. He's not being paid to do it. You know, it's voluntary. Yeah. I don't think it's about getting credit. I mean, I think it's about the club actually recognising that fans are doing a job for the club, even though, as you say, they ain't getting paid for it. On to our reviews, promotion, relegation, reviews and previews. Previews, sorry. There's a game still going on. Generally in Rochdale. No, it's finished. Is it just finished? Chewing them have won two once, but Chewing them have won two once. The North West teams out. Yeah. Some of my as well. I've had a few playoff trebles, but, um, and a few of them have been banking on either Rochdale or Berwick to go through. 
So thank you very much. My bets are now up. Yeah, watch your language. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Second podcast in off iTunes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, swinging another bottle of beer could get a bit rowdy later on. <laughs> um, yeah, League One, Simon. I've had a look at the results over the last, uh, last eight games or so. Um, I'll start with Millwall and Leeds. Obviously, Millwall won 1-0 in the first leg down at the New Den. It was a slender league to take 12 on the road. You know, it's not it's not Millwall's uh, tie by uh, any means. And Leeds' most recent form, they've had six wins out of the last eight games. Um, and Millwall actually had four wins and four losses. Um, so it's, it's tough one. Millwall have the edge going into the second leg, but Leeds have the form behind them to, uh, to possibly overturn that. Um so sadly, I'd get on with. Uh, I'd, I'd say that Leeds, uh, Leeds are going to go through there. Uh, as Scunthorpe and NK Dons, it was a fair result at the end of the game. I thought that uh, NK Dons did very well and were unlucky not to win the first leg. Um, but I'd imagine that NK Dons will pull through for the win and go to Wembley for the final. But because I don't think Scunthorpe have enough in the tank, even though you know they're the league's third highest goal scorers. But that is again behind behind Leicester and NK Dons. So I'd say. Uh, the Leeds, uh, Leeds, uh, Leeds MKDOMS uh, play a final. Yeah, I do too. I do too. However much I hate Leeds in every single sport that Leeds play in. I think. They did it last year though, didn't they? Two last minute goals. Carlisle were 2-0 up in the home leg. Leeds scored in the last minute of the first leg and then won the second leg 2-0 again with a late goal. See Leeds going all the way this year. It's been a year to get them back in the championship, unfortunately. The Leeds have got the form behind them, definitely. I mean, the thing that they've made on the playoffs in the last uh, last two three months, you know, that, that's got them into there. Yeah, I, I watched Leeds. I watched a bit of the Leeds game yesterday, and, and they look a lot better than Norwell. A lot better. They, they've got a bit of class about them. They, they don't look like a League One. I know it pains me to say it. They don't look like a League One team at all. But sometimes you need to look like a League One team to get out of League One. You know, it's, that thing that, it's the thing about the teams that come down from the Premiership can be pretty good, but when they get into the Championship, they gash because the, the Championship is a completely different sport, basically. League two, Simon. Gillingham are obviously through for the final now to beat Rochdale two-one. Bit harsh. Gillingham's first goal resulted uh, after, after the Gillingham player handball to get possession. So I think that the uh, Rochdale and Keith will have a few things to say about that. But never mind. Rochdale had another good season after getting into playoffs, playoff final last year. Uh, so hopefully we can kick on next season and, uh, and actually get promoted again. I mean, I think we've been in League 2 for 36-37 seasons. Uh, so I imagine going 36-37 years with only a rebrand to get you promoted. Because we've been in, in, in Division 3 and now League 2 or something similar. Um, and Shrewsbury 3 uh, after beating Berry. And I personally think it's quite cruel on penalties after they pulled back to uh, equal the 1-0 deficit. And that, that was even after the split. We took an 88th minute lead. Uh, to take the game into extra time and we had a man sent off in the 91st minute so Shrewsbury actually held on for 30 minutes uh, of extra time before they went to penalties and it, again it's a shame because Berry would they were definitely the best team they had there they had 18 shots on target to Shrewsbury's 7 I know Carl's going to touch on the uh, on the championship stuff in a little while but it's got to be good news for the North West that we could potentially have had Berry Rochdale uh, Burnley and Preston all in the uh, in the playoff finals and I was just wondering what you guys think to uh, to the player finals that are being played at Wembley because while I'd love a day out at Wembley following Latic, could potentially have Rochdale, Leeds, Scunthorpe, Burnley, 
Preston and Berry fans trolling down to Wembley on three consecutive days. I mean, surely, you know, a better venue would be Old Trafford, especially considering the times that we're uh, going through and transport's quite expensive. Wouldn't that took something away from the day? I think yeah, there's got so much pre-organisation just to get the venue sorted, excuse me, <clears throat> so to, to rearrange it, I think, would just be too big a job. I think it takes away the stigma as well as playing at Wembley, because lower league clubs don't often get the chance to go to Wembley. And the playoff final is kind of like their big day to get to Wembley. So I think it is a sign of the times. I think under normal circumstances, yeah, I'd, I'd say it does take away some of it. Given the economic climate, I think if that happened, it would have made a little bit more sense. Although I'd have personally suggested City of Manchester Stadium as opposed to Old Trafford. Yeah, but you talk, you're talking about economic things. If the FA and their sort of connected organisations have paid out $750 million for Wembley, they need events, you know? That's why they've put the rally driving in there as well because it needs to make money doesn't it I was just watching the Gillingham game with Rochdale um, there can't have been more than a thousand Rochdale fans there you know this this is a second leg of a player final and there's, there's only a thousand Rochdale fans there it was quite empty at Millwall the other day as well saying that though we didn't sell out ours against Blackpool did we we came close to it but we didn't sell it out I thought we'd actually sold it out I thought it uh, because I remember I, I was queuing up at 7 o'clock in the morning. It took me three hours to get my ticket. The tickets were still on sale a couple of days later for the away game, this is. And, uh, and I think we sold it out. But the home leg, I don't know. I, I, I've got a feeling we'd sold that out as well, to be no, honest. No, the home leg, we definitely didn't sell out. Just going back to Barry, while we're still talking about League 2, I think they've got to be pretty devastated to miss out on promotion by one goal and then to go to the playoffs, get a good result at Shrewsbury, then take it home. Like Simon says, going to the going into extra time, they can see you the goal late on. Then they're playing against ten men, and to still walk away with nothing, I think they've got to, they've got to be really really gutted. You're asking about the um, game against Blackpool. Official attendance was just over twelve thousand, and our capacity was thirteen. But then that might have been the away fans that didn't sell out. We don't know. Well, put it this way, I don't think Blackpool. I, I think we had to give Blackpool the big. I remember right that we were only going to give Blackpool the big bit of the Rochdale Road end, but because our tickets weren't selling fast enough. We ended up giving Blackpool, Blackpool a small bit as well. Now, I don't know whether they sold it all out, but they certainly didn't have 1,500 tickets left over what they didn't sell. You know, they didn't have the barrier then either, you know. They, they didn't have that, you know, the extra segregation, what they've had to have this season, I think 10 seats either side. Yeah, I think that's a farce anyway, to be perfectly honest with you. The, of course uh, it is. You see how much... The behaved in the first game of the season against Millwall, and that wouldn't have been there anyway. And, uh, <laughs> On the Millwall game, though, the police earned the wage, I tell you. I just remember it. It was like 30 seconds in when they scored, and that was it. Then all the pies were over the barrier and everything, and I think we kind of, you know, they wondered what happened, really. Pies? <laughs> yeah, it was like a sea of pies going over towards Millwall, because he was all coming down, all optimistic for the new season. He was all walking down to the front, and then that was it. Then you just seen a sea of meat and potato pies fly over to Millwall after they scored after three seconds. A sea of meat and potato pies. I think we may have just found our next Stuart Hall. Do you remember that the, the referee against Chelsea getting hit by an hot dog? Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the funniest things I ever heard later on he said it's a good job it wasn't a pie. They killed him. <laughs> he thought he was bleeding as well, didn't he? And he got the back of his head. It was ketchup. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the beach had to get him flagged offside anyway. And he got sent off. I remember Reading about, I'm going back a few now, about 10, 11, 12 years ago against Reading. And it was the old Flea Bitten one. 
with the little wings underneath the arms. God, it was dreadful. Was that with a piece of the wood for arms instead of actual hand? Yeah, I think hand? it might have been, yeah. And the referee, they missed the penalty. And they sent, because he was like sort of waggling his ass behind the net. The guy who was taking the penalty, I think, I can't remember if he missed it or scored it. Or, and we had to retake the penalty and they sent Chaddy off. Was that in the days when he resembled a wolf? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually scared the kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he got flies going around him and he stank and everything. <laughs> I mean, I feel sorry for the linesman, though. I mean, Carlo Corris and Chaddy the Owl. I know, yeah. size wise. A big fat head. Alright, Carl, the championship, mate. Four teams in it. Burnley, Sheffield United, Preston and Reading. Um, the form team going into the championship over the past ten games, it's got to be Burnley. A league table for the past... Sorry, the league t- there's a, league, a little league table I've done for all four championship teams who are in the playoffs over the last ten league games. Burnley, at- Burnley top it, then Sheffield United, then Preston, then Reading. First game, Burnley v Reading, that finished uh, 1-0 Burnley. Considering Reading haven't won at home since January, I really, really can't see how they're going to do it, to be honest. So my bet there is probably going to go to Burnley. That's that's some stat, that. Considering that Reading, on the last day of the season, if they, if they would have won, there was, if the results went their way, the possibility... They would have gone up automatically because Sheffield United only drew. Yeah, that's it. If they would have won, they could have gone up automatically. To say they've not won at home since January, that, you know, you got to look at that as the uh, as the reason why they've not gone up. And it was Wolves who they beat. And not only that, if you've seen the, the ch- if you watched the Reading match in the last game of the season against Burnley, if you've seen some of the chances that they missed, and I think it was down to the strikers being lazy. In all honesty, you know, a toe stuck out or something like that, and you know, one of them would have gone in, but they just watched it. I'm going on to the other game. Sheffield United and um, Preston. Preston, although they finished sixth, they're coming into the playoffs with some big wins behind them. They beat Cardiff 6-0, which is, in all honesty, that's probably the result that got them into the playoffs at the expense of Cardiff. And they also got a win away at Birmingham. And they've gone into the playoffs winning four of the last five league games before the playoffs. And they're one of the leading scorers as well. They scored in the past 10 games, 19 goals and conceded nine. I think the only team in the playoffs who scored more is Burnley. But saying that, Sheffield United don't like to concede. Um, Sheffield United in the past 10 league games have only conceded six goals. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'd expect a tight game, but I can't... Maybe my bet's talking, but I can't see Preston beating Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United will just nick it. Yeah. I'd love to see Colin stay in the Championship. I, I'd i like to see Burnley... I'd like to see some new blood, even if it's only for a season. I'd just like to see a bit of fresh blood in the Premier League. I still think it could be Preston that go up, because Preston are going into the playoffs as the informed side. I just think late this year might be their year. Over the past five games, Preston... Preston are the informed team. Um, I won't argue with that, but Preston have also got the, you know, they've also got a leakier defence than the other ones, I'd say. Apart actually, but yeah, Preston have conceded nine goals um, in the past ten league games. The only team who's conceded more than that's Burnley. So I think it's a case of a good attack versus a good defence. I don't have Preston personally. I mean, they beat Cardiff, who only missed out on the playoffs in the last game of the season. They beat Cardiff six 0 not that long ago. So they can yeah. score the goal. Preston have got the big results, I'll give them that. But one I think one thing that Reading have got, going back to Reading, one thing they've got, what not a lot of the others have, is an out and out goal scorer in Doyle, who's got eighteen league goals for the season. I think the closest um anyone else has got to that is Burnley. They've got Patterson who's got twelve. 
You know, I mean, Sheffield United had beater, but now he's left the leading scorers, Quinn, with seven, and Preston's leading scorers are Parkin and Meller with 11 and 10 each. I'll tell you something, that, put, that puts Lee Hughes in some context. If, uh, if championship strikers uh, you know, are getting 12 and 13 goals, given another 10 games at Latics, you know, he might have even equaled the 18 goals for that dial at Reading. You know, that shows what kind of striker he is. I don't know, I think a lot of the time with Lee Hughes, though, this season, that I think he could have got 30. Easily. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I wouldn't have said easily either. Going back to more recent players, Omrod, he's scoring in the championship for Blackpool. Put some, just to put some of those stats in context, though, something that Stevie came up with for us. O'Grady, 565 minutes for Latics, no goals. Cabba, 543 minutes for Latics, no goals. Davis, 588 minutes, no goals. Windass, 748 minutes, one goal. Omrod, 200 minutes. No goals. Byfield, 647 minutes, one goal. That works out at one goal in every 18 games for all those strikers combined this year. That's. I bet, yeah. It's a good start, that. <coughs> it is a cracking start. To be fair, that's Stevie J who came up with that start. He just sent it over to me the other day. That's absolutely pathetic. That's a pathetic start. It doesn't look very good amongst them strikers, does it? Just going back to our, uh, the Stuart, Stuart Bow and Sean McCarthy. I had the honour of meeting Sean McCarthy once in a chippy in New Way. Uh, you getting a pudding on a muffin? Yeah, Sean's just tired of the time. Is that a euphemism? What's <laughs> 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 the reason we're talking about? I think, I think some players remembered quite badly because, I mean, Sean McCarthy's stats, he actually works out that he scored a goal every just, just over every three games. And the same with uh, Stuart Barlow, he actually scored a goal every three games for us. It might not be the best stats in the world, but it's what you want from a striker. What did he order? I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's put that, that entire squad, all the eight was putting on muffins. Savoy! <laughs> <laughs> it, whatever it was, it was a double portion of large chips. Sean Gregan would have loved that side, wouldn't he? He'd have slotted right in there. He'd have put right in, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Stay text the floor, premiership. Yeah, um, although Blackburn secured safety with a 2-0 win over Pompey, um, mathematically, right, Sunderland and Pompey can still go down, but realistically, it's out the bottom four. It's out of West Brom, Hull, uh, Newcastle and uh, Middlesbrough. And I think the crunch game, really, is tomorrow night is Middlesbrough the Middlesbrough read, um, Newcastle at St. James's Park. And the little head-to-head stat, out of 120 times they've played, um, Newcastle have won 45 times, they've drew 36 times, Borough have won 39 times. But the stats go in Newcastle's way, but I don't know, it's going to be... It'll be definitely a fundamental game. I hope Newcastle go down. So do I. Oh, I, I can't put in words how much I want Newcastle to go down. I still think, though, one of them will stay up at the expense of Hull. Yeah, I do as well. Oh, Hull are thinking like a stone. I'm just looking at the stats here. In the last six games, they've scored two goals and lost five, drawn one. Hull fans are talking about Europe uh, not long ago. No doubt Dean Windass was thinking, excellent, are we playing in the UEFA Cup next season? <laughs> Uh, but I think he's more likely going to be the championship now. Now he's got a restraining order. Championship? What, what championship is this? Allegedly, not allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about Newcastle, actually. I'm, I've, I've got a bit of a soft spot for them, but it would be great to see him go down, really, wouldn't it? Apparently, they're the only team who the players in, haven't got clauses in the contracts, you know, whereby the wages are automatically lowered if they go down. Yes. So they'll still have players who are on, like, 50 grand a week. It doesn't Champ- I think if Newcastle went down, they would bounce straight back up. No, I don't think they would. I think it'd take a couple of years, but I don't think they'll end up plummeting like other teams like Southampton no. and Norwich have. Hold them. 
Yeah. The phone heads are just in the clouds, though. They really are. I work with a few at work, and they're just like, nope, we're not going down, we're not going down, no way, yeah. no. Yeah, like, Sports yeah. News did, did an interview with about 30 different fans outside the ground before the game last week, and all of them said the same thing. We've got players that are too good to go down. It's like, yeah. Nah, It'll do them good. good players don't guarantee survival. Yeah. I think it was on 606 as well, um, a Newcastle fan phoned in and he said, what will the premiership be like without Newcastle? And the, really? the, exactly, the person who hosted um, the 606 at the time, forget who it was, he said, well, look, um, you know what I mean, it's over the season, you've got 31 points, if you go down, you deserve to go down, you're not there on status or a fan base, look at Leeds and, you know, Charlton, look at all them clubs that are coming down Very, now. very similar... From uh, Matt, when yeah. Man City went down for the first time, you know, oh, we won't lose a game, we won't lose a game. And when they went down into our league, oh, we won't lose a game, thinking they're too good, and yet they needed the playoffs to get back up. Look where they are now. True, true. At the time, Did they were thinking... Today, they, oh, they're appalling. Dreadful. Some of the worst football I've ever seen, that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I didn't watch the game, but from what I've read, you know, the City players, they just didn't look interested at all after the first goal went in. Yeah, I didn't see the game, but I believe the cameras were actually following a mouse running down the pitch. Yeah, yeah they were. That was, that was the best part of the show, I swear. It was <laughs> awful. Ronaldo scored a gammy free kick that deflected off somebody, and then Tevez yeah. scored a pretty good goal, and that was it. Two, two exciting parts of a really boring game. So, so basically, in summary, Ronaldo scored and spat his dummy out, Tevez scored, and we watched a mouse running round Old Trafford in front of 70,000 people. Yeah, pretty much. And to be honest with you, I mean, I know it's hard to talk about United because people hate him, but I think Oldham need players like Ronaldo in terms of commitment, in terms of the fact that when he comes off after 70 minutes, he's upset. He's not quite happy to go and sit in the showers. See the people. Showers. <laughs> Can you imagine that at Boundary Park, can't you? Hands around his knees. <laughs> but you get the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I yeah. saw, saw the Rochdale, uh, Rochdale play Bradford a couple of, a couple of months ago, and uh, one of the Bradford strikers came off, and he was not happy. He, he, he really did kick up about it, and I just thought, you know, I, I wish I'd seen that at Boundary Park as well, because you just don't. Just back on, back on the Premiership's race for relegation. There's something on the, the Guardian podcast that was on last week. They pointed out. <laughs> I'm going to steal it because it's a really good point, which is that this year people talk about how exciting the Premiership's been, but realistically, it's basically a race to get relegated, and it's quite embarrassing that the supposedly the best league in the world, there are eight teams who have won only one or less than that game in the last six. So Bolton, Portsmouth, Villa, West Brom, Borough, Sunderland, Newcastle, and Hull have all only won one in six. No way. Yeah, embarrassing. It's awful. And like we've said, Hull are thinking like a stone. Newcastle and Borough are still in it. West Brom are trying the best. I think they want West Brom to stay up just because the only ones who are putting up a fight. OK, now onto our featured article. With the appointment of Penny and a look at the also runs, the patch of Royal again and the comparison of managers over the years, have we had too many managers? Um, well, yeah. Like, I've just picked up some stats. They are stats. They appreciate that obviously football's more than more than just numbers. But it's just looking at the managers that we've had over the last few years and the, the managers that we could have picked up on this time. The two sort of the two mainly linked in along with Penny were Nicky Adams and Mark Robbins. Stats wise, Penny is actually kind of quite far out in front actually. His, his win percentage is nearly ten percent better than Mickey Adams. Um, over a reasonably similar period of time, over like over a bit about four years more that Mickey Adams has been in management, but uh, he's lost a lot more games, 50 more games than Dave Penny has over his career. And then looking back through previous managers that we've had, Shares had a, a 40% win percentage compared to Dave Penny's 46% over a 
again over um, about half as many games she has done. Before that, Ronnie Moore had a, a 35% win percentage, which isn't particularly good as far as I'm concerned. And he played dreadful football, as we all know. That kind of was his demise. Brian Talbot, similar percentage again, 36% win percentage. The fact that Penny's coming in now with a nearly 50%, give or take, that's, a, that's kind of exciting times, hopefully. Is Dave Penny going to sort all this shite out? I asked Rick what? that before. I said, what sort of manager is he? And Rick said, apparently, he's quite strict. Uh, the Doncaster and Darlington fans seem to think he's a, he's a bit of a man-manager as well. I mean, I, 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 I don't think Martin Gray either is number two. I don't think he's the sort to take any shit. As he's, he was always like a tough tackler at Sunderland, wasn't he? I think, uh, I've said this before, I think the important thing is that the responsibility doesn't just lie with the manager. Jess took a lot of flack and sure he had his weaknesses and stuff, but if you've got a manager in your organisation that isn't doing the job how you want him to do it, you yeah. fix it. You don't just ignore it for three years and then sack him. Yeah. You can't have Alan Hardy and Simon Carney complaining about the way Chez ran the club and the fact that there was a culture they didn't like. They're part of that culture. In fact, they're, they're the orchestrator of that culture because they're in charge. If they don't like something, fix it. Don't just ignore it for two years and then sack Chez and blame him. I think a lot of blame needs to lie higher than Chez. Exactly. They, they they should have said it a, a lot earlier, you know, opportunity, look, sort this now or else. Chez was told at the end of last season that he had to sort the discipline out of the club and he didn't do. But right, so he's so what... said that, that, that he's got to lie at people higher up in the club. But has it got to lie at people higher up in the club than even Alan Hardy, though? My point remains, though which is the fact that if he's been told a year ago to fix the problem and he's not done, where's the process here? Where's the, where's the sort of the development? You can't just tell somebody to do something at the start of the season and then sack them six games from the end because they haven't done it. That True, but then sense. you've got the other argument, which was like, you know, a lot of people were calling for Chez's head earlier and it's, you can't sack him, we're in the top six. You can't sack him, even though we, you know, he didn't, he's not done what he's been told to do, but because of the league position, oh, you can't sack him. I remember Sheridan as well. Uh, I think this was just after I joined the trust. It was my second meeting. Sheridan came along to it, and he was saying there, you know, in the about the training, he turned around and said, "I only train my players for ninety minutes." And he made a point of saying, "Oh, Arsene Wenger does that as well." Yeah, but the thing, the thing that annoys me is that Shez was at the club while Ian Dowie was at the club, and Shez has seen the benefit of doing a training session in the way that Ian Dowie has done. Yeah, so taken out I don't dispute how good Dowie is, right? Because he is a very good manager. But he's not been especially successful, has he now? Let's be honest. Oh, no, but he was successful enough at Latex. That was into the playoffs. Yeah, but he had good funding. Yeah, but then so Shez has had good funding as well, you know? Not like Dowie did. Come on, play fair. I don't think you'll, you're you going to be far off, to be perfectly honest with you. I do. I, I rate Dowie, I do. I think he's got, like you say, the training, the, the sort of the swimming and all that kind of stuff. He does things well, but he wasn't perfect. And he's shown that he's not perfect by the fact that he's gone from, what, Latix? How many other clubs has he had now? Five? Charleston, yeah. Coventry, QPR, Palace. Newcastle. What I wanted to ask of you guys was what, what do you think of Penny in terms of uh, his reputation rather than just his statistical sort of promise? I'll be honest, my first reaction was, when I first heard Penny's name, was I wasn't overly enthused, because I thought, you know, he got, yeah, fair enough, he got Doncaster to this level, but it went wrong for him there, and I thought, if he couldn't take Doncaster the extra mile, then how's he going to take us the extra mile, with probably a smaller budget than what he had at Doncaster? He's had more experience though, hasn't he? I mean, yeah, I, I, th- the same. I, th- I thought, 
I'm not too sure about this guy. He's coming to us from Darlington, but then I, I actually looked into his record. He spent £300,000 as a manager, full stop. So that's at Doncaster and at Darlington, and he brought players of the likes of uh, Powell Abbott, uh, Paul Heffernan, who we were after as well, and he's got Doncaster promoted twice. He's got Darlington to the playoffs last season. And without the 10 points this season, Darlington would have been there as well. If you're saying that a manager who spent 300k as a manager full stop isn't good enough for us, then I don't know who isn't good enough for us, you know. I think we also have to be careful not to get our heads too high, because like, as we know, and it's been criticised in the past, sometimes, you know, we forget we are a League One club. At the moment, he is probably one of the best managers we can attract. And he's Absolutely. Comes, yeah. You know, he comes highly, highly regarded in the Football League, and I think it's a great appointment. Well, I'm sure you. I'm sure a few people will be re- relieved it wasn't Mr. Jay Gannon, who's now out of work. To, be, uh, to, to go back to the stats point of view, though, Jim Gannon has very similar stats to Dave Penny. Jim Gannon's won 46 percent of his games. Penny's won 46 percent of his games. They've, had, they've they've played a reasonably similar number, maybe a hundred more to Penny. It's an extra season or two, isn't it? It's not. It's not a vast amount. Do you know, with regards I've, to our past, our past managers that we had, do, do you think do you think we're too impatient? As fans, as Oldham fans, do you think we're too impatient with our appointments? Look, you look at Arsenal and the amount of money they spend, admittedly not as much as the top four, but they haven't won anything for four years. Now, they've got to have significantly higher expectations than we do. So to go for four years without winning a single trophy, and it's going to be the same again this year, to still have the patience and the, the trust that they have for Wenger, do we not need to show that? I mean, when Joe Wiles at Latics, he had 600, over 600 games with us. And then since then, no manager's made it to 200. And I mean, to me, that's a lot. I think uh, I think it's it's all based upon promotion, isn't it, rather than progress. I think with Sheridan, though, uh, I mean, to be, I think one thing in his first season in charge when we got to the playoffs, I think he probably over overachieved a little bit with the team we had. But because we've done it then under it, that was the expectation from then on. And I think he was ultimately judged on the fact that he, you know, he didn't deliver. Although, again, to be fair to the board, this season they did back into the hills to, you know, to make the playoffs. So. They couldn't have done anything else, really, could they? I could criticise Chris Moore all day. And just picking up on that stat that Steve said, that no manager's reached 200 games since Joe Lyle. Andy Ritchie got sacked when Latics were top of the league. And, I, as I say, I could criticise Chris Moore all day because, let's face it, he put us in the same situation that Stockport County and Downton are in now. But Andy Ritchie had 179 games as Latics manager, as top of the league, and he could quite easily have carried on and got to that 200 as Latics manager. I do not believe he, he fulfilled his potential that he had at this club. But that said, and yes, sorry, losing um, Ritchie like we did, it's not ideal, but then it's not just that, though, is it? I mean, from that point on, we've moved forward with a completely different club now. We're completely unconnected to that, and yet, in that same time, Walter said 35 games, Barry's had 82 games, Brian Talbot 55, Ronnie Moore 65. What's, what's 65 games in it in, a, in the grand scheme of things? It's nothing, is it? You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're Man City and you're out spending 150 million in the off season on players and then you're still not performing, then you can understand why people get frustrated. But we're not doing that, we never have. We're going out and spending 50 grand on Craig Davis and that's it, that's our budget for the season gone. You're spending fifty grand. That's less. That's, that's half of what Wayne Rooney earns in a week. We're spending on a player, and yet the expectation is still automatic promotion. The expectation is we could be a championship team. It's like, well, if we can't afford to spend the money, 
then we can't afford to be a championship team. It's that black and white. Clearly pointed out that we are, as a group of fans, impatient with the managers that have been appointed in the past, and we do expect, and we have indicated that we are result. It is results based, of course it is. Um, to, to the degree where we're actually looking for promotion, we're expecting the promotion. Do you think, over the last couple of years, do you think the internet has had an impact? on the impatience do you think the internet sort of drives the fans the, the, the torches and the pitchforks baying for the, the for manager to be sacked do you think the in, internet has some sort of driving force behind this I'd have said only with uh, John Sheridan personally I think I think Ronnie Moore was a little bit too early and from my personal experience I don't think there was too much anti-more stuff going on on the internet other people might contradict me totally obviously <coughs> that's something they've seen but John Sheridan really has had a hammering off the internet. Uh, the difference between sorry. Sheridan and Ronnie Moore was that um, I think with Ronnie Moore, people um, people voice their opinions with a wallet more so. I think as long as people have access to the internet, I think there'll always be a voice to be heard over there. I just think with Ronnie Moore, it was more that we don't want to see this this crap football, and we, we you know what I mean unless the football changes we're not going to be paying to go and see it you know they want to be entertained but at the end of the day you know um, Ronnie Moore did better than us this season might be a pretty football but you nearly got them to the playoffs I think everyone would agree this time what we, we definitely we couldn't appoint from within this time that wasn't an option I mean the general consensus when Moore went was that Moore couldn't give two monkeys about the club you know so we wanted some. I think you know we wanted someone then with a bit of feeling for the club Sentiments got in the way of a few things, and I think this time, what we definitely, need, you know, we definitely needed an outside appointment. I don't know about that. I'd give Phyllis Kirk a chance if he well, wanted. Apart, it. I say Phyllis Kirk aside. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's vastly underrated. I think he's, he's got a lot of skills. He's got a lot of knowledge about the game. So that he's got a very nice sort of a lifestyle where he's involved with the, with the youth structure, and he likes that. And benefit yeah. of having somebody like Penny coming in, whereas somebody promoted from within the club. The benefit of having someone like Penny coming in is that he's got something to draw on. Invariably, when managers come in for different clubs, they'll pull the best players with them. And um, if you if you sort of promote, sort of, for argument's sake, Tony Phillips got up to first team manager, he's very limited in what he can draw on. He, he, he's got to go out yeah. there and network to get his players out. Whereas somebody like Penny will come in and he will drag all his best players with him. Or what he thinks are his best players in his opinion it happened with Ronnie Moore um, <coughs> yeah for, for, for better or for worse but Sheridan didn't have any of that and he, he was sort of building everything he had to go out and network to get it but that, that's yeah. a definite benefit of, a benefit of having someone who's an established manager at this level like Dave Penny and promoting from within as well especially with a player he's obviously going to have his mates as well you know, and as a manager, again, I think this may have been maybe partly shed his downfall. You're not there to be the mates at the end of the day. A tangent from this conversation then, looking at the squad that Penny's going to bring in, would you prefer him to bring in a slightly larger squad that's going to sort of survive maybe a few injuries and suspensions and have slightly less quality to meet the budget? Or would you prefer to have a high-quality squad that's quite small and risk having to use youth and... That's the saying that, though, if you went with the latter, um, having a small squad of quality players, that's where a good manager could use the loan market. Last season, I mean, actually, I'm, I'm actually going sing to sing his praise now, but Sheeran did a very good job when he was trying to sort of mix and match his youth team. And, but that's but there, there again, we did have a reserves team last season. 
I think that's what it stems down to. It stems down to the fact that we had no reserve team. We had to send out players who were who were banging on Sheridan's door. You know, I want I want to play football, and Sheridan couldn't offer that at the time because you know first first half of the season we was actually winning, and I think when he was sticking with the winning side. You had players like O'Grady, you had players like Davis, who weren't featuring week in, week out, who said, you know, I really want to play. And that's where the reserve team comes in, because the reserve team's really a good basis for players like players like Dale Stevens and Kieran Lee. That's that should be their opportunity to stake their first team place. I gotta say that that's gotta be that's gotta be the biggest mistake that shares or the the management within the club made while Sheridan was at the club getting rid of the reserve yeah. team. It showed through this season so, so much. And maybe that answers our question about the loan signings then. I mean, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a decent, well, you don't have to have a decent reserve side, but if, but if you've got a reserve side that, that's playing regularly to pull on, week in, week yeah. out, you, these, these lads will just slot in. They, okay, they, they, they'll be blooded and they, and they won't have, a first, I'll call it a first class game under the belt. These, these guys are brand new into the side. But it's better that they, they know the surroundings and they know the players who they're playing with rather than someone who's just come from the, uh, a relegated team into the championship um, who's just come here for, for a free ride it's much easier to slot in players from the reserve side and, 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 and that would that would, you dispense with your loan signings that's where we fell over this year Oldham was too big a project for shooting and take on as his first job it was way way too big and um, he couldn't handle it. He, he needed to maybe do sort of like a Nigel Clough and go and look after um, Staley Bridge or something like that for 18 yeah. months. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I always felt. Like did we have the budget to bring in a higher profile manager at the time? We don't need a high profile manager. Oh, Dave Penny's not exactly, you know, yeah. um, being chauffeured around now, is he? No, he's not, but given the, the fact that we're just sacked to any more. Citing poor season ticket sales, who would you have brought in, in instead of uh, instead of John Sheridan? This goes back. This goes, this goes back to the, the power of the, the masses of the media, right? Okay, we, we, you had sort of like a cold joining of supporters voting with the feet and supporters on the internet wanting their favourite. And, the, and for, I don't know. I don't know if the board said, oh, they, yeah, you know. I'm not sure if money was a factor or not, because I can't say from my point of view. I'm not privy to that sort of information. But it looks like there may have been sort of like, uh, yeah, Sheridan, he'll get the fans back in, in the ground again. He was his favourite on the pitch. He'll get the fans back on the seats. We'll have him in. Pretty much like Joe, what Joe Rowe did. Against Tram- I agree. Against, against Tranmere Rovers, what was it, 7,500? We got beat 2-0 yeah. and um, back down to 4 and a half again. Yeah. I'd agree to an extent, Matt, although at the time, like when Ronnie Moore went, it was a case, I think it was just more of a case of more out. I don't think there was any, there was too many suggestions that, you know, they wanted Sheridan in. It was just a case, you know, please get rid of more. You know, the fans that were saying that, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, 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 it, it was. I mean, it was a strange time because we were getting 6 and a half. Thousand, I think, as an average, and we never, re- never recovered. Never, never recovered to that. But size, size comment there is 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 the same as a, 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 the majority, I would say, of Oldham fans who, who want that um, big name and stuff. Uh, I, I'm just delighted that we haven't gone that way, and we've signed Penny. Yeah, it's exactly what we need. Absolutely, exactly what we need. Give it 10, 15 games. You know, if he's settled, his team are doing well. I think he'll get the side, uh, sorry, the crowd on his on his side. 
and I think things will look a little bit rosy. Right, and now it's Aki's little quirky bit. Right, lads, we've got some um, Coleman Barrows, which sounds exciting, but it's not. <laughs> we've, got, um, we've got a couple of quotes for you, and I'm going to give. I'm going to tell you who they are from, and then I'm going to give you one, and you've got to try and tell me who it is without using Google. And I'm not giving the answer right now. What we'll do is we'll let it run over. We'll check it out onto the forums and see if other people can get it. At which point, I'm sure Google will use. Let's oh, be honest. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. And then we'll come back next time we come back, and I'll give you the answer. So um, the first one for you. Um, for those of you who are watching. We do not have television sets. Live commentary is available on Radio 2. Which I'm a big fan of. Anybody want to guess who that was? Um, Mary Walker. No, close. Was it? Oh, that was the man himself, Mr. David Coleman, who these a uh, funny little bits are named after. That's why they're called Coleman Balls. Yeah, it was either him or David Vine. Vine was right. a belter or one. <laughs> um... One of my favourites because um, everybody hates him, but I love him to bits. Uh, <laughs> I was inbred into the game by my father. <laughs> Kevin Keegan? <laughs> no, that's Mr. No, that's Mr. But should be Sir David Cleet. Yeah, he's, crazy. Yeah, he, he's mad. He, honestly, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's eye spinningly mad. I was saying to Father over there, I love the fact that he still calls wingers inside rights. <laughs> 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 it's not 1972, David. <laughs> uh, and the last one, which I'm not going to tell you who this was, but you can all have a stab at who you think it is. Our goalkeeper didn't have a save to make in 90 minutes, and yet, and yet he still ended up conceding four goals. Ronnie Moore! Johnny Shea, John Sheridan. Can you say it again, Steve? Our goalkeeper didn't have a save to make in 90 minutes, and yet he still ended up conceding four goals. So Matt's going for John, John Sheridan. No, I, no, I, I know that. I think it's Royal. Royal. You, you know, what, Royal. what are you saying? What are you saying, Carl? You're not saying Royal, are you? Yeah, it's Royal. It was recently, wasn't it? No, I don't think we conceded four under Royal. I was going to say, it can't, it can't have been this spell of Joe Royal, but it, it, it does ring about. It must have been his last spell, definitely. I'd go with Royal as well. Sounds you like go with Royal as well. Yeah. Some, brother, some brotherly love. Yeah, I'll back him up. <laughs> Only for now. Get a slap. All right, well, we'll put that on the forums when that, some other people have a go at it, and then I'll, uh, I'll give you the results next time we get back together. Thanks for listening to our When the Blues podcast. Um, the podcast notes will be available on the website. We will post up links for all the articles that we were addressing tonight. And the spreadsheets will also post up as well for your easy reference. Um, we hope you can join us again next time. Thank you very much indeed. When you fall, I'm